Today we are going to continue on in a series uh, called Grace in the Age of Outrage. We started it last week, and if you uh, weren't able to join us last week, I'd highly encourage you to visit our website, dsbc.church. There's a, a sermons tab there where you can look, and uh, we're doing a deep dive in 1 Peter chapter 2, and that introductory uh, teaching, that'll be helpful for you as you continue to gauge in the series. Uh, before we jump right in, though, I did want to say, number one, uh, Huge, huge, huge thanks to those of you who serve in our Next Gen Ministries, specifically in our Adventure Kids Ministry. The work that you do is so important. I just got a, a note today from someone in our community who's not been able to get out of her house uh, very much at all. And she got a very nice birthday card from our Adventure Kids, and she was so touched uh, to receive that. So she gives her thanks to you. I'm so thankful uh, to those of you who serve in Adventure Kids. And I did want to say, church family, uh, if all of us could be praying, uh, we currently are only in a position to be able to offer our Adventure Kids programming at a, a one of the two services. So we have it currently at 11 o'clock. We are praying that God would provide for, uh, for us more uh, folks to step up and to serve in Adventure Kids so that we're able to offer that at 9.30 as well. And so let's be a people who are praying towards that end. Uh, the scriptures teach us that uh, the work is much, but the workers are few. And so we're going to pray that the Lord would provide for us more workers to serve our amazing adventure kids. And so please join me in praying towards that end. Now, uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we are currently experiencing just a little bit of tension, uh, confusion, and frustration as it relates to politics. Has anyone noticed? I don't know if you've, if you've heard the news uh, or seen it on TV, or just listened how people talk to each other. But we're currently in a climate, are we not, where everything's turned up to 11, and there's so much outrage. There's so much outrage. And, and one of the things that we're focusing on in this series is we recognize if we feed ourselves garbage, what comes out of us? Garbage. And if we feed ourselves outrage, what will inevitably start coming out of us? Outrage. So we need to feed ourselves not on the outrageous words of this chaotic season, but rather on the word of God. And so we're going to do that by studying 1 Peter 2. And one of the things that, we are, uh, that we're doing just kind of as a, a helpful encouragement for us uh, as a church family is we've got these cards. They're available on the tables as you leave. Uh, you'll see them near the doors. We also have some available online. By the way, if you want one mailed to you, uh, just email me or put it in the comment section uh, wherever you're watching, and we'll try to get that to you uh, this week. What we're asking everybody to do is take one, two, maybe three of these uh, little cards that, that showcase for us uh, these statements, that I am a peace bringer, I am a kingdom ambassador, and so on. And so these are postures that Jesus' followers can live out in an age of outrage, and you'll find all of these postures uh, in First Peter. So that's why we're studying First Peter, specifically chapter 2. But here's what we're asking everybody to do with these cards is if you take the card and put it in your wallet, in your purse, uh, on your steering wheel, uh, on your dashboard, on your mirror, as a daily reminder. In fact, sometimes we need to be reminded more than daily. Maybe even like on your glasses if you have them. And what I'm going to challenge you to do for the next, well, for the remaining uh, uh, few weeks of this series, for the, for the next five weeks, is before you engage online before you turn on your favorite news commentary, 
before you uh, read the news, before you have a conversation with somebody that might could possibly be, become contentious, before you enter into those spaces, say this to yourself, I am a peace bringer. I am a kingdom ambassador. And enter into those spaces, whether you're consuming news media, whether you're posting online, whether you're engaging in a conversation, living out these postures will equip us to live grace in an age of outrage. And today, we're going to look at the second one on the list, that I am a kingdom ambassador. That kind of sounds strange, I'm sure, for many of us, but hopefully, as we get into the text today, it will begin to make some sense for you. And so I'm gonna re- uh, we're going to read together a f- a sec- uh, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 17. And what we're going to discover is this principle, that you are an ambassador, or at least you are called an ambassador of what? The answer is on the screen. It's highlighted in a separate color to alert you that I will be queuing you up to speak back to me. Ready? (laughs) You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You're you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. So we're going to talk about what that looks like. But 1 Peter chapter 2 gets to it. And so we'll read some of it together, make some comments as we go along. And then we're going to to do a bit of a deep dive into the very last uh, portion of this section of scripture. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. This is uh, Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, one of the first. And he's now serving as a pastor. And he's writing to a bunch of different churches uh, who are living under the Roman Empire. He says this, dear friends, I urge you as what? Strangers and exiles. Notice what he assumes of his hearers, that you are strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves what? Honorably. Now here's a weird weird one. Among the Gentiles, that's another way to say among the nations or amongst everybody out there, right? So conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles or the nations so that when they slander you as evildoers, what does that presume? That you might get slandered by following Jesus. You see it? Slandered as evildoers, they will do what? They will observe your... Okay, that presumes proximity, right? That people are gonna see you even though they might speak ill of you They will see your what? They'll see your good works. They're going to see your lifestyle. They're going to see how you live. And by viewing your lifestyle, by viewing your good works, they will glorify God on the day that he visits. And so Peter here is encouraging this group of Jesus followers to to live out their faith in such a way that they're loving their neighbor as their self and that their neighbors are seeing it and they're glorifying God. Hmm? Even though they might slander, they see the good works and they'll glorify God on the day that he visits them. So this is an interesting dynamic. So let's keep going. Watch this. Oh, hold on just a minute. Let me pause. Let me hear y'all grumble or just give like a sigh of exasperative uh, frustration. Uh, y'all ever, like, <clears throat> here's the deal. When, when y'all are at church and y- y'all, you know, Desert Springs, we're not exactly a, uh, what the charismatics would call a lively bunch. <laughs> Subtle indictment from the pastor. Okay, so, but 
Whenever you hear something that you like, what do people in church gatherings usually say? It starts with an A and ends in men. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But one of the things that's definitively missing from the uh, church vernacular is, uh, or, mm. now in some congregations, some church families, they've got it dialed in. You'll hear someone say, mm-mm, nope. And when the pastor's going too long, you'll hear him say, land the plane, preacher. Y'all ready for your grumble? Submit to every human authority. <laughs> it gets worse. Because of, because of the Lord, whether to the emperor or king as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. Who are we called to serve? Now remember what Peter's talking about here. He's talking about living as what? Strangers and exiles. Now, we're going to be talking about that more in just a few weeks. So our posture is that even if on my passport it says my home country is Rome or America, that as a Jesus follower, I have a, a, an identity, I have a citizenship that transcends whatever's on my passport. See, Peter is assuming here that these Jesus followers recognize their primary allegiance, their primary citizenship, not to be Rome or America or Britain or wherever it is, that the primary way that they view themselves as citizens of the kingdom of God, and therefore they are living as what? Strangers and exiles, right? He's likely writing to a group of people who were born roughly around the very area they were currently living in. You got me? Okay, abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves what? Honorably. And so what Peter is going to continue to do here in this text is he's going to help us understand what it means to conduct ourselves honorably. Honorably in the midst of whom? Now, it says Gentiles, but what do we know that Gentiles means, basically? Everybody, right? So your fellow citizens, everybody you're around, right? And they're going to observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits us. The very next thing he says, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors. Now, notice what Peter does here. He's encouraging citizens of the kingdom of God who are also living under the Roman Empire to submit to whom? The emperor. Now, if, did you guys ever see the movie Gladiator or take a Western civilization class in high school? Was the Roman Empire known for compassion, grace, humility, and peace? They were known for peace. The Pax Romana is the longest sustained uh, you know, absence of war in human history, so, so they say. But how was the peace maintained? Through compassion, grace, through living out the value systems of the kingdom of God? No. If you were Rome's enemy, what happened? You dead. Right? That was the firm 100% policy of the Roman Empire. You don't like us, you dead. Okay, and here we are, and we're called to do what? Submit to every human authority, including Caesar? Well, that's the context of the text. And so the grumbling continues in the room. It's going to get worse. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what? Doing good. Submit. How do we submit? As free people. 
not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, or the church, fear God, honor the emperor. And the grumbling continues in the room, right? So we are to do good. This is God's will for your life. Have you guys ever maybe asked the question, I wonder what God's will is for my life? Here you go. Do good. How do I know what good is? Jesus taught us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor. How? As, as yourself. So do that. Now, here's what, what I think Peter's getting to here is. You, as a Jesus follower, represent Jesus to the world that you live in. You are an ambassador not of your own kingdom primarily, but of the kingdom of God. Now, there's uh, one of Peter's contemporaries, Paul. Uh, he knew this very well. In fact, Paul spent a lot of his time in prison, behind bars. Who usually, put, uh, who usually puts people in prisons? Governing, uh, governing authorities, right? And so Paul spent much of his time in prison, and he recognized that his posture towards his captors, towards the governors, towards the rulers of the age was this. He says, pray for me also that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. For this I am, and then what's the term he uses for himself? For this I am an ambassador, but an ambassador what? Even in chains, he recognizes that his role is to serve as an ambassador. What is an ambassador? So uh, the Oxford Dictionary says this, that an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. So if you are sent as an ambassador of the United States to Brazil, you will live where? In Brazil. What type of food will you eat? Brazilian food. What type of music is playing all around you? Brazilian music. You live in Brazil. In fact, if you're raising a family, you're going to raise your family in Brazil. But you have a role to play as the permanent representative in that space. And what's your role? Remember? You're going to represent the value systems of the country or the home that you are an ambassador for. You got me? So though you live in this strange new world, and though the culture is alive and robust all around you, whenever that culture comes into conflict with the culture that you're called to represent, you are to live out the values of the kingdom that you represent. An ambassador is someone who's sent to represent the values. And so you go into this foreign, strange space as an ambassador, and you represent your home country to the people that live all around you. Paul calls himself an ambassador in change. And then he goes in 2 Corinthians, he says this, therefore, we, Jesus followers, we are ambassadors for whom? For Christ. Another way to talk about Jesus. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the whole, what? World. Okay, who are we to live good lives among? The world, all the nations, right? 
Be reconciled to God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You and I, if you are a Jesus follower, we have a role to play. One of the roles that we serve in is as an ambassador proclaiming with our words and with our actions the value systems of the kingdom of God. Y'all with me so far? Now, how do we put that into practice in an age of outrage? There's four things that Peter says at the end of this little portion, and we'll put them here. Notice he says, honor whom? Everybody, including the people you don't like? Yep. Grumbling in the... Love the brothers and sisters or love the church, right? And that's not just like a heartfelt warmth. Uh, Remember how Jesus taught us to love. It's love in action. Uh, Fear whom? And honor the, even if you don't like them? Okay, yeah. Some of y'all are like, I see where he's going with this. He's going to talk about, he's going to talk about politics. Yes, I am. And you're all, (laughs) and uh, man, uh, you, you know we need this, right? Like, is anyone feeling like, like as a community, as a culture, we're super healthy right now? Okay, so we need something other than words of outrage to feed us, don't we? Yeah, even if it causes us to, like, think twice about vote, how we vote and who we're voting for and all that uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, the grumbling continues. <laughs> Honor everybody, right? So the role of an ambassador is not, and I need you all to hear me on this. We're just going to go through it just we're just going to kind of tick through these, all right? What does it look like to honor everybody? Well, one of the things that it definitely doesn't mean is pick up a sword and engage in culture wars. We are called to be ambassadors, not cultural warriors. One of the things that I continue to hear, especially in uh, religious circles, is we're losing the culture war. And I just want to encourage you, we are ambassadors of a kingdom that's already won. And the way that we are to behave is not to fight a culture war by by diving into the systems of this world to try to make it our way right away every day. The way that we rep, the, the way that we will obey Jesus in this is to live as ambassadors now. We live according to the value systems of the kingdom of God, not giving our hearts over to the kingdoms of this world to try to protect what we think the kingdom of God should look like. Now, I got a word for y'all, and if you get mad about this, just, I get it, right? I'm mad about a lot of things too. It was said and has been repeated many times that a particular political leader is saving the church. And I want to tell you that there's only one person who has saved the church, and he died and he rose from the dead. That's why we sing songs to him and nobody else. The church does not, the body of the risen Christ don't need saving. The king already won. He rose from the dead. And if we put ourselves as ambassadors, if we take off the ambassador role and we put on cultural warrior role, we will inevitably dive down and play the game, the rigged game of the kingdoms of this world. When Pilate confronted Jesus on the day of Jesus' execution, Pilate was surprised that Jesus was not telling his followers to pick up the sword and kill Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor. 
And Jesus is standing there bound in front of Pilate. And Pilate's totally perplexed because he sees in Jesus some sort of power. And he says, are you the king? And Jesus says, Jesus is so smart. He's like, you've said it. And then Pilate's so perplexed. Why aren't you picking up the sword? Why are you going to let me execute you? And you know what Jesus says to him? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, I would be telling all of my followers to kill you. But, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. And he submitted himself to the rule of Pilate, and Pilate had him executed. And so as ambassadors, we do not take on the role of cultural warrior trying to get our culture to win. We live out the victory. We live in light of it. And so we live as kingdom people recognizing that the battle is already won. The church don't need saving. Number two, when we as ambassadors engage with people who we may disagree with, We are called to first and foremost live out the law of love as Jesus taught us, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Do you like it when people assume things about you? Do you enjoy it when people are postured against you, filtering everything that you say through the worst possible lens? Do you appreciate that? Do you like it when people slander you? Do you like it when people make straw man arguments about your perspectives? Do you like it when people call you names? So how are we to behave with people who we might disagree with? As ambassadors of the kingdom of God, what are we to do? Love our neighbor, including the one that votes differently than me? Yep. Love our neighbor, even the one I hate? Yep. Love our neighbor, even the one who plays country music in their garage? Yep. Love our neighbor as ourself, as kingdom ambassadors. We are to live out the law of love in this community of a church and in this community of North Phoenix. I want to tell you that though we see it modeled at the city, state, national, and international level, the leader whose uh, 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 example we want to live out is Jesus. And so we don't need to give ourselves over to the, uh, the rules of engagement of this age. Hmm? And by our good works, by the way that we posture ourselves towards those that we disagree with, people would see our good deeds and give glory to God on the day he visits us, even if right now they slander us. Here's another one. I have heard that, and if you've said this, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to slam you, okay? But it's this thing I've heard, and it, it's kind of, it's like, ugh, it's just like, woo. I haven't fact-checked this, but insert thing I heard. If we do that, if we, if we transfer information that is not true, we are bearing false witness against our neighbor even if we hate their political platform. Jesus followers, we are called to be ambassadors, which means we are called to live the law of love as Jesus taught us. And one of the things that Jesus taught us 
is to live out the value systems of his kingdom of which deceit or bearing false witness has no place. And so we wanna be a people who speak the truth in love, not bear false witness. Be very careful when sharing information. Second, love the brothers and sisters, right? Love the church. How do we put that into action? I wanna just remind us of something. One of the key things that Jesus prayed for was the unity of his church, of his body. Jesus specifically on multiple occasions prayed for unity in the church. And I want to tell you that all around our community, families and church families are being ripped apart because of uh, opinions about someone that you'll have a relationship with for four, maybe eight years. I want to ask you if the relationships that have been fractured because of your, the way that you've engaged uh, the political process, was it worth the fracturing? Jesus followers, especially in the church. We are a bunch of misfits bound together by the love and grace of God made known to us through Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, please don't make any noises after this, that in this church family, there are a ton of Democrats and a ton of Republicans and a smattering of independence. And here's the deal. We need to erase from, the, <laughs> from our vernacular this phrase, a real, a real Christian would vote for fill in the blank. That is absolute heresy. It's from the pit of hell because what it's saying to you is this. Salvation is through Jesus plus political party affiliation. Now, there are some of us who say, I, I just can't believe a Jesus follower would vote this way. Now, here's the trick, and y'all ain't gonna like this. You know the remedy to that problem? You have Christians who vote that way over for dinner over the course of a decade and seek first to understand and be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. And over the course of a decade, you will grow and be sharpened in your understanding. And you will no longer have to say, I can't believe how a Jesus follower could vote this way. The one thing that binds this church family together is Jesus, not political affiliation. As a church family, we are committed to engaging in issues that are real, that impact people, which means we engage in political conversations all the time. But we do so politically ambiguous because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. I, I can tell you this much. Most of the Republicans in this church think I'm a Democrat. And most of the Democrats in this church think I'm a Republican. And all the libertarians, they're trying to sell me space in their bunker. <laughs> and that's just the way we like it. Because it's Jesus' grace that binds us together, not political affiliation. Uh, and, and I'm here, I need to tell you, well, oof, mm. Okay, I'm gonna do this thing right now, and if you're a Republican and it's upsetting that I didn't do it the other way, I just, would you just please extend me some grace? I'm just gonna address it like this. I'm gonna talk specifically to Democrats or those who lean Democratic right now, and, and here's why. Because the majority of what I'm hearing on the national stage is that true Christians vote red. And you may feel alienated, and you may feel homeless. You may feel like, I don't even know if I can belong to a church in the North Phoenix suburbs because, because am I even welcome here? 
And with all my heart, 100%, it is not political affiliation that binds us together. It's Jesus. And number two, there are, and you got you to hear me on this. There is no political party that perfectly aligns with the kingdom of God. That's why we're called to be ambassadors and not soldiers. And, and here's another thing we need to do too. If you are not able to openly critique the party that you prefer, we may have, con- we may have given our hearts to a political leader and not the king of the universe. Our allegiance is, is given to Jesus, not to a candidate. Okay, let's keep going. <clears throat> the church is designed to be an embassy in which we live out these kingdom values. This community should look into Desert Springs and say, I wonder what their God is like. I wonder what the kingdom of God is like. I wonder what the kingdom that they are ambassadors for is like. And when they see our behavior towards one another, they say, Jesus must be like that. So before you go on social media, remember that you are acting as an ambassador in front of the whole world. And people will see your deeds and they will make an assessment on what Jesus is like based on you, the ambassador's deeds. And when they see how you're treating other Jesus followers, they will say, oh, I wonder if that's what their God is like. Before you have conversations, before you post, before you listen, remember that you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Number three, fear whom? Okay, this is not meant to be a, uh, like a scared of. This is meant to be a healthy, uh, a healthy fear, a healthy, respectful reverence and awe. And, and, and let me just tell you this. Every human is afraid of something. We are wired to fear in the positive sense, to have reverential awe of something that is powerful and could easily destroy us, right? This fear is like I have of the sun, if I get too close to the sun, what happens to me? I cease to be, right? And so this fear is a, a reverential law, a healthy respect. And I'll just make the point real quick like this. You have a choice of who or what you're gonna fear. And I want to tell you that there's a lot of fear-mongering out there. I have heard the word socialist and fascist use more in the last four weeks than I did in my entire high school and seminary career. I love World War II movies, and I have heard the words fascist and socialist used more in the last four weeks to talk about why we should be what, why we should feel what? Fear. Fear-mongering is not the mark of an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And if I have to choose who I'm going to fear, I'm going to fear not just the one who can change a vote or who can change a policy. I'm going to fear the one who can destroy the whole thing in an instant. I'm going to fear the one who holds the universe together by the word of his power. And so I'm going to fear God. Who are you going to fear? Jesus is, a, Jesus is Lord is a political statement. Jesus is Lord is a political statement because it means who's not the Lord? Everybody else including the people that you vote for? No, I'm gonna fear God and I'm not gonna fear the candidates or what they say about one another.
Fear God. Give your heart to Jesus. Do not give your heart to a political candidate. They will not give their lives for you. Jesus did. They don't know you. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And so we're going to fear the Lord. And when we talk about honoring the emperor, we want to notice something. That honoring the emperor is not allegiance, it's something more. So um, Dennis Edwards, who is a, a brilliant theologian, he, he comments on 1 Peter, in his commentary on 1 Peter, he says this, that the obedience that Christians have to the government is not so much, an, notice this, an endorsement of the rulers of this age, but an act of what? Devotion to God. And so when we are engaging as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and we submit to every ruler, as long as doing so does not conflict with God's law, and we live as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and we pray for and we encourage our leaders, when we do so, we do not do so primarily as an endorsement of them, but rather as devotion to God. So you and I have the capacity to support and encourage and pray for and be submissive to leaders that we don't like. Remember the context. Peter is writing to those who are living under the Roman Empire. You think we've got it bad. Remember what Rome's firm policy was if you didn't like them. You dead. And so we live as ambassadors by honoring whom? Everybody. We live as ambassadors by loving whom? Brothers and the sisters, the church. We live as ambassadors by fearing whom? God. And we live as ambassadors as we honor whom? The emperor, the king. We do not live according to the value systems of the kingdoms of this world. We as ambassadors live the value system and culture of the kingdom of God. And so if you feel politically homeless, that's the most normal feeling in the world for a Jesus follower. If you feel powerless, don't worry, because the spirit of the living God lives and actively works through his people as they submit to him. And so over these next four or five weeks especially, but for the remainder of our lives, let us remember that we live as strangers and exiles, and our role is to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We do not need to give our hearts to the rulers of this world. Our peace does not come from them. It comes from the one that we fear, God. And friends, Jesus loves you so much. He knows you more than you know yourself. And as we turn to him, he empowers us to live as his ambassadors and represent him well, even in an age of outrage. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we give you thanks. In this age of outrage, Lord, it's so confusing. Everything seems to be just exploding all the time. And the toxicity is thick. And it's difficult not to get it on us. And so, Lord, right now, in this moment, Spirit, I pray that you would empower us, each of us, according to the ways that you've given to us and wired us, to live as your ambassadors in whichever sphere that you've placed us in, that we might represent your kingdom well, 
day by day and moment by moment, that we might live as your ambassadors. Jesus, we pray this knowing that you love us, you're powerful to bring it about, so we entrust ourselves to you. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks everyone for being here today. I did wanna remind you that we do have a starting point gathering. If you're newer to Desert Springs, you'd like to know more about what we're all about, and that'll be over in the Student Center, the building closest to Tatum at 1230. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week. Thank you.